Hello and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I'm your host, Harrison Greenbaum, and we are here every Monday and Wednesday uh, presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians, an incredible organization that has been producing content and helping present content uh, since this quarantine uh, began. It's been two months that the show has been live. We're on episode 12. We're at a dozen. Uh, if you'd like to join the International Brotherhood of Magicians, you just got to go to magician.org slash join the IBM slash join. Very, very easy. Our show again is every Wednesday and Monday at 7 p.m. ET or 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. And this also is now available as a podcast. So if you download your podcast through Apple, through iTunes or Apple Music or the podcast app, depending on how up-to-date your system is, uh, just search for Who Books That or go to whobookset.com for more info. You can totally download all these episodes as an audio podcast which has been uh, really, really fun. And it has been an amazing roller coaster. Last week we had amazing Jonathan and we had Penn Gillette of Penn & Teller. Both episodes set records for viewership. Uh, the night of, we had over 10,000 people tuning in to watch each one, which is uh, insane. So thank you so much for your support. You can always follow me at Harrison Comedy. That's both on Twitter and Instagram. I've also joined the TikTok, but I'm still learning how to do it because I uh, am older than 30. Uh, but uh, our guest tonight, I'm so excited about uh, he is a, a fantastic person. Uh, he's, as my dad would call, a mensch. He's a, he's a very good person um, and a super talented magician. He had a meteoric rise to fame and success. Uh, he went from uh, one of the hardest working college performers in 2013, uh, Campus Activities Magazine named him one of the campus performers of the year, to the national stage 2014, the first ever magician to win America's Got Talent, setting the path for people like me to get eliminated very quickly into the competition just three years later. Uh, he's a wonderful dude. He has an incredible fashion sense. I love what he's wearing. Make some noise. Get excited for Matt Franco, everybody. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Good. How are you, buddy? I love your choice of clothing. I think it's uh, it's spot on. I can't imagine why you would say that. It just looks so good. You know what I mean? I just think only cool people wear that, you know, black neck, uh, black V-neck t-shirts. I'd have to agree with you. I really do. You know, you got to go a little lower with the V and you'd be right there. <laughs> Right, I gotta get more European. That's the key. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> nice. That's what the headliner money does. It just it slowly <laughs> pushes it down. The further your career goes up, the lower the V goes down. So I'm still working, you know? That's why Sacred and Roy just had open shirts <laughs> all the way down to the navel. That was just success talking. Not a bad hypothesis. I think it works. I think it works very well. <laughs> It's why uh, Chris is, uh, tries to wear no shirts. <laughs> That's right. Um, but you've been uh, doing a, a ton of live streaming during uh, the quarantine. How did that come about? I know the first one you did was sort of, uh, you quickly put it together. You just advertised, I think it was like three hours before you went live. Yeah. How has uh, live stream been during this uh, crazy pandemic time? You know, it was something I just did out of necessity. I, uh, my show in Vegas was paused on a Saturday and then literally by Wednesday. So we're talking three-ish days later, I, I hopped on uh, hopped on the live stream, you know, just to be able to still be able to connect with people and share a little bit of a smile at a time when we all kind of could use it. So it just seemed like uh, something to try. And it was like pushing the comfort zone for me. It wasn't something I was comfortable with right off the bat. And I'm, I'm still learning about it. I've done, uh, I guess, seven episodes of it so far. And they're all still there for people to see on, on my Facebook. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. People have been super appreciative of it. Uh, it's the next best thing when we can't do the uh, in-person shows. So, Yeah, and I feel like as much as it's it's a different experience, it kind of keeps you sharp, right? 
Uh, a little bit, I hope. Uh, it's, it's a different type of sharp, right? So it's it's different. It's apples and oranges from from being on stage and and doing it this way. But uh, in doing virtual shows, uh, there are things you can take advantage of that you can't do in a live experience. So it works. It works both ways, and you got to define those things that are, are specific to the uh, this medium. So. Yeah, and uh, somebody just mentioned uh, black makes you thin, which is actually the secret to why magicians wear it. It's not that it is a deceptive color, but it is a thinning one, and, it, and the magic community could use that very badly. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about your, I mean, uh, you, you started out as a, a kid magician. You yeah. went to uh, University of Rhode Island. You studied, I think it was uh, business administration? Yeah, yeah, marketing, yep. And did that, did that directly translate into your magic career? Were you putting that to use almost immediately? That was the hope, right? So, I mean, I'd always wanted to do magic full-time. That was kind of the end goal. So uh, I studied business in hopes I could use that to support my magic habit. And right out of school, that is what I did. I put together uh, the best show I could and the best marketing that I could. And I was it was a one-man operation from you know <laughs> writing the contracts to booking the travel to creating the show to uh, every step of the way. It was all kind of a, uh, a slow process of, of handling it all on my own. But once I got to the point, even though only 1% of my day or less was, was doing the show, which was the part that I loved, uh, frankly, I was as happy as could be. Because uh, if you'd asked me in you know, 2010, 2011, when I got started with that stuff and it, and it started working for me full time, you know, I, I surely would have said, I've made it. You know, I, was, I was really thrilled. Uh, at that time. And I had no idea, of course, what was on the horizon, but I was as pleased as could be with, with what was going on because that is uh, an achievement, right? To be doing what yeah. you love to do and, and being able to share it with people and, and not having to, you know, do the whole desk job thing. So. I used to tell people it's, you know, I could, I could have been a coal miner. Like I, I get to tell jokes on stage and do magic tricks. And then yeah. I realized that was offensive to coal miners. <laughs> <laughs> you get one tweet from a coal miner, like, Hey, I like this job. You're like, you know what? Is that <laughs> I don't want to be your bird, but I, I'm sure there's some some pluses. Sling <laughs> in some gold. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you're, what made you do AGT? Was did they reach out to you, or was it something that you looked at as an opportunity to jump on, or did they come after you? Wow. Uh, so I auditioned season one. So 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 wow. I, I did not win America's Got Talent actually, <laughs> as it pertains to season one. In fact, so I showed up. I, I must have been about fifteen years old. <laughs> and I uh, went to New York and showed up to the audition. I got maybe, you know, 30 seconds into my act and the producer said, okay, thank you. And uh, literally cut off, didn't even finish. And then uh, I never, never obviously heard back from them. So I went home and practiced and came back nine years later. <laughs> the rest of history. But um, for me, it was uh, at the time when I did it, I was trying to, trying to get some promotional uh, footage out of it. That was my goal was to, because uh, I was working the college market at the time, and I was hoping to just get some more, uh, some really good footage. It's tough to get good footage of yourself performing. Um, at, at that time, I always had a hard time with it. Audio was half the battle, and you know, I'd be doing a show in the middle of Iowa, which is not where I was from. I'm from Rhode Island, so you know, I'd be doing the show in some other state. I'd hire someone I didn't, a company I didn't know, or a person I didn't know to come in and shoot it. And then I get there, and the, the venue is not quite right to be shooting right. <laughs> footage. Uh, you realize you're on a 12-inch riser in the back of the cafeteria while people are trying to eat. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons um, that it can be difficult to capture uh, promotional footage. So that was a uh, part of the motivation for for AGT. Um, I guess I they most people just buy a better camera, and you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna do a national reality television show. That'll help. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess 
I want to say that, uh, I mean, I lived vicariously through Eric Dittleman, which is actually how- Yes, one of my best friends. Yeah, and it, which I believe he's the one who introduced the two of us. Yes, absolutely. Uh, which is great. And uh, he, he was on season seven, and I believe on season eight, I, I'm trying to remember this correctly, I did get a call from, from I, I can't remember what it was. Maybe I'm misremembering it. All I know is I got a call from AGT, and I, and I essentially, maybe it was season seven, I don't know, I got a call from them and I, and I kind of was afraid, I was petrified. This was year, years before I actually got on. Um, and I, I kind of thought, well, I don't have any material that's 90 seconds, which was kind of the strict guideline at the time. Uh, there was nothing I could pull from my show and say, here, how about this? So I, I, I think I, I may have just kind of politely declined out of fear. And then I think a year later, oh, I get, yeah, that was season eight. And then season nine, I thought, oh, when they call this year, I had an idea. I'd bounce it off Eric. He thought, yeah, I think that would work. That was his opinion, which I value. And um, I was figured, okay, when they call this year, I'm going to say yeah. <laughs> and of course, that was the year they didn't call. So I went to the open call when they came to Providence. And, and that's, that's kind of how it all went from there. I was an alternate for a long time. Wow. And you got um, off the open call, which is wild to me. Because I, I don't know many people who actually did that process and made it onto TV. So that's, that's incredible. Well, that's the hardest step in the whole show, right? Because if they have, uh, you know, 100,000 acts, including online auditions, which they did have at the time and still do, uh, and, you know, maybe they shoot 300 that even make little clips, not, not full acts, but everything altogether, maybe a few hundred make it to air, uh, that your chances of making air on that first cut from six figures to to only a few hundred actually taping and being shown, uh, you have a better chance of winning after that than you right. do getting on that first time. So I, I think you're absolutely right on that. But um, I barely made it to that. I taped on the very last day. Uh, they had flown me to Los Angeles the very last second. I believe someone else dropped out. And uh, you know, there you go. That's so cool. And were you, was there a plan going in? Did you have your, your whole season mapped out or was it on a <laughs> show by show basis? There's a couple of people, I won't mention them, who have done very well in AGT, and they show me they have like a sheet of, this is what I'm doing in the finals. Yeah, I'm aware. Um, and, and most people, I, I have to assume most people who make that sheet, you know, don't get to play it out, right? They, they might have, I didn't want to be that um, uh, ambitious. I, again, I didn't plan on going past the first round. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean that. I really just wanted uh, the footage or to even be able to say as seen on, you know? Yeah. And then as you keep getting voted through, then it becomes more serious of, okay, how can I outdo myself to, to get through the next round? But um, no, I, I literally each and every time uh, would, would put what I believe to be my best ideas forward and, and worry about outdoing myself the following week because I kind of knew there was a great chance that I, I wouldn't be there the next week. So I guess yeah. that was wrong. I should be giving any advice about being on a reality television show because I've been eliminated from several. Um, but the best advice I've, I've always heard is treat every round like it's your last. That, that was exactly. for the next round because you don't know if you have another round. The, the worst thing to do is to be like, oh, my best trick is coming. Yeah, yeah, sure. It might not ever come. Yeah, but like like you said, though, you know, some people do, do kind of make a list and map it out and plan strategically. And some have had great success doing that. Um, that just wasn't my approach. Yeah, somebody said 90 seconds is difficult. Tell that to our girlfriends. All right. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't resist, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick Eliezer. Uh, Eli, Eliezer. I'm not good at pronouncing names. Uh, so you started off in Rhode Island, and I, I did uh, magic. I started off sort of my stand-up career while I was in college in Boston, and I noticed there's a very distinct form of sort of 
Boston, Massachusetts, New England humor. Would you say that that uh, is part of your style as well? Oh, uh, that's interesting. Probably, but like not necessarily intentionally. Um, you know, <laughs> they're like a little bit sarcastic. They have a little bit of that. That they're just that Boston. Like, all right, you're wicked pissa. Yeah, kind of seeing through the BS, kind of cutting straight to the chase, kind of a uh, fast talker. I kind of inherit a lot of that stuff, and luckily, I, I lost my Rhode Island accent uh, almost all the way. <laughs> so, so that part is good there. But um, yeah, I, I love I love East Coast people. <laughs> John Kippen, by the way, from LA, just said, Matt, I want to thank you for all the magic you've been sharing online. You are a good man. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. Happy That's to awesome. share it with you. Thanks for watching. And you were the youngest of, uh, of three, right? That is true. Yeah, two older brothers. One just moved out to Vegas. Right, and he's working as part of your show now, right? Yeah, yeah, behind the scenes, not on stage. Yeah. Um, but uh, absolutely, yeah, behind the scenes, he's... Uh, He's well, not at the moment because everything in Vegas is. Of Wait, so you moved him out, right? And then the, all of a sudden, the whole, here you got to be part of the show. And then the next week, I'm sorry, there's there's no show. <laughs> yeah, I told him. I listen, Ryan. I understand if you want to go back to Vegas, I go back to Rhode Island. I get it. You know. So. <laughs> I don't have any brothers, but I imagine if like there's a lot of horseplay between brothers, Absolutely. this would be the ultimate brother prank if you hire him just to. To create a quarantine situation. <laughs> oh, seriously. Yeah, no, it's, uh, he's been a good sport about it. So, you know, he's happy to be out in the nice weather. So he's handling it well so far, but it's, it's pretty cool having more family out here. My wife loves it. And so he's out here with his fiance and it's great. Just kind of, uh, Rhode Island kids doing what we, what we can. Oh, no, that's amazing. And, and, and the show that you're, you're working, like you've been doing it now for five years and you're going to, you just signed for another five. So you'll yeah. be doing it at least 10 years. Yeah. Uh, the, Cause I was looking at, I was trying to find old photos and stuff and I saw some of the tricks that are in your show now are tricks that at least have roots to your college act. Yes. Yes. I thought I had one of them with arms reach, but I don't. Yeah. Um, like I do a cup and ball thing that I, I wrote the story to in 2010, performed it first at the university of Rhode Island. I still do that in the show. Um, oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I, the fun thing about any performer that is like our age is you can go all the way back in their timeline and yeah. see the whole career progression. So you can go past, it's amazing to see the photos of you pre-AGT, before all that stuff. This uh, this thing in the background is great. <laughs> that So that, I can tell, that's probably about 2013 based on the, uh, the outfit phase there. Um, <laughs> it looks like that's the beginning of the show. I'm doing a bill switch, which... Uh, Whenever magicians see me do it, they think it's a thumb tip because most people use it, but it's not. It's barehanded. Thing I came up with when I was a little kid, and I still do it. And some some really really well known magicians have asked me to share share the technique with them, which is kind of cool. So yeah, I still do the bill switch too. But uh, yeah, those are some crazy times with all the uh, the travel and so on. But yeah, I basically took what I was doing at that time because I got sucked out of the college market. I mean, I, I and this, this was, by the way, this was your poster at at URI. Oh, you found that? That is awesome. Yes. So, yeah, that that poster made its rounds for a lot of different things. Um, <laughs> and I still think it was quite clever. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, no, I think it, it kind of uh, spoke the nature of, okay, this is not going to be rabbits out of hats, you know? So I... Uh, yeah, I, I actually photoshopped that myself in a in a bootleg version of Photoshop called GIMP. Now I don't know anything about Photoshop, but uh, <laughs> back to doing everything on my own. I mean, I took that picture in my friend's bathroom, and and next thing you know, I was using it to get booked, uh, literally nationally. You know, 
So yeah. uh, this, this was also there where they they misspelled your name, which I'm sure was a typical occurrence on college campuses. Uh, that that'll happen for the rest of my life, you know. Was there ever pressure? Like, how did how did you become Matt with one T? Uh, not intentionally. Ask my parents. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is my brother Corey, not the one in Vegas. My oldest brother Corey, his middle name is is Matthew, and it's with two T's. <laughs> and I, he's older, so you know they know how to spell it. Yeah, I, I really cannot um, come up with a, a good answer as to how I ended up with one T in my name, but uh, it's going to haunt me forever. But at least it's unique and it's a little cheaper on the marquee. So, No, and it's very memorable, too. I think when you Google, your, there's a lot of mats, but there's very few M-A-T, so it's perfect. Yeah, I'll take it. Doormat, walk all over me. Close up <laughs> mats. Mats are all over. My, my sister, uh, her middle name is Marissa Misspelled, and it took us, I think, 30 years before we could get my mom to admit that she just screwed up. What was it like? What's two R's, one S, which is definitely not how to spell it. Well, I thought you were just going to say one S. The, the, the two R's is great. Yeah, she's like, no, I wanted it to be different. And then we got her, we were at like a Thanksgiving and we're all a little bit buzzed. And we're like, mom, you definitely just didn't know how to spell Marissa. Can we, can you be on record? And she's like, I, I, I quickly did it. Now you're Marissa. It's the rest of your life. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I can, I can see the chat, you know. The what? I can see the chat. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's people, uh, there's people who are asking for uh, consulting advice from other magicians during the competition. <laughs> That's uh, great. Was there a team in place already for America's Got Talent, or was that just you? Oh, a team? Well, was there anybody that, that you could call to help during that? Or was we all We are dreaming, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know what, though? But living vicariously through Eric uh, when he was on the show was, was obviously super helpful and being able to brainstorm storm and, and bounce things off him. I, I can't downplay that at all. Uh, very helpful. But um, no, there was no such thing as a team. Um, but I will say it was the coolest thing in the world once I made it to the live rounds where they provide help for you. And what, what I mean by that is, you know, you might be in a conversation in the production meeting with a lighting designer. I had never done that before. The lighting designer and the and the set designer, and someone's gonna who make make your prop look like it fits into the set better, and someone who's gonna help you with this or that, and all of that stuff. I was like, oh my god, I felt like a a real uh, professional magician at that point in a way that I never had before. Um, because again, it was always such a such a solo project, project which which we're all very used to. Um, so it was it was pretty cool and a little a glimpse into what was ahead, I suppose. <laughs> you know? Yeah, was that a, was that a crazy transition? Because you won the show, they basically put you in Las Vegas. Through it was an America's Got Talent show, and then almost immediately you were at the link with your own show. Yeah, is there, yeah. How, what is the learning curve on something like that? Uh, you know what? It was it was actually about a year a year later. So I finished uh, AGT. We did the the two nights of, of the the show that you win as the prize in uh, in Vegas, um, and then it took it took about six months to kind of put together the production and work out all the details for the Vegas show. And and then the other six months I was working on a TV special during that time. So that year was kind of divided up between those two projects. Um, so the, the learning curve, honestly, is always more on the uh, on the, the virtual side, the television side, the part that the part that I've had uh, less experience in growing up, as opposed to being on stage side. So the learning curve now, however, of getting back on stage is probably going to be a little bit more than it's ever been, right? Because I've never gone this long 
uh, without working. So, so it's a it's a it's a crazy jump to go from not performing on stage at all right now and then jumping back into shows more so than you know performing in different types of venues at a, a lower scale to jumping onto Vegas. That's a, that's actually a smaller jump in my opinion than going from not working to yeah. work. Yeah, I was talking to my friends in Vegas. We're really nervous about the Cirque shows because those people really shouldn't be uh, not practicing. Oh God, I didn't even think about it from that perspective of not practicing. Yeah, because yeah. some of them can't. Their equipment is is giant, and they're you know they're in their, their homes. It's gonna be their first time back doing the swinging on some stuff. It's yeah, gonna be really interesting. Yeah, that's why they have full gyms and things backstage at Cirque shows because they actually have all the stuff there where they can really do practice and stay fresh on it. But yeah, um, luckily I can still practice some stuff, you know. Yeah. By the way, you mentioned Eric Diddleman. I want to either confirm or deny those stories. Uh, let's welcome Eric Diddleman. Whoa. Hey, how's it going? Hey, buddy. Why are you barging in on my thing? Like I'm trying to get the spotlight for a couple minutes and here he is right off the bat. All right, we'll kick him right out. It's fine. And uh, so Matt, tell me about <laughs> um, Hey, now that you're here, this is so cool. Um, I'm going to just take the floor for a second because uh, Eric is obviously uh, uh, a very well-known mentalist. And um, he, he would probably criticize me being a magician for trying to do any mentalism. Um, but I, I actually do have like a mentalism effect. I'm actually going to do just for the two of you right now. Amazing. I think no, this I might be the worst magic trick performed on the show. Yeah, I know. And I do. It's not a magic trick. It's mental. Oh, right. It's mind reading. Oh, you're going to offend Eric. Relax. Mentalism. <laughs> I always say when mentalists say they're not magicians, it's like the pitcher saying he's not a baseball player. Like we get it. You're specialized, but you're still <laughs> on the field. <laughs> so, so. Uh, I just want to clarify. So, uh, Harrison, we haven't prearranged anything. No, I have no idea what's about to happen. Also, I didn't even know I was going to be seeing you, Eric. So, obviously, I mean, maybe no. you were going to see me, but I didn't know I was going to see you. So, we couldn't prearrange. <laughs> uh, is that fair to say? Correct. Take that a look. Correct. Take a look right here. Ready? <laughs> Got an envelope here. <laughs> you knew. <laughs> ah. that's good that's good now, now now i know you said this goes in podcast form so uh for everyone listening i pulled out an envelope and it had eric diddleman's name in it boom i knew he was gonna be here i called it because he introduced harrison and i can we get some applause in the chat for this Come on. <laughs> bravo, bravo. <laughs> matthew green said diddleman <laughs> now was that a was, was that a prediction or did you make it happen <laughs> Uh, it was master prediction. Oh, I have thing. a bad connection. Yeah, there's a printer in that frame. It's, uh, it's very complicated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's taking years to set up. Yeah, don't tell anybody. No, the, no one's going to see this, right? Yeah. <laughs> Eric, do you have any uh, fun stories about Matt from the early days? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, definitely. We have crazy stories we probably couldn't tell from the college days. <laughs> you do. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> That'll be uh, best. Uh, I don't know. We, just like crazy things from like ordering the most expensive pizza we've ever uh, ordered in our lives on the road. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That was in Portland, was Oregon. Really what, do you mean, we? what do you mean we? I remember you eating the pizza. <laughs> That's true. I have a little pizza pillow in the back. Too. I don't know if I remember us ordering it. <laughs> it came with a mixtape. I mean, just we had crazy times doing the college stuff and it was just fantastic. But uh, I think like one of the, the coolest moments for me was during your AGT run because you you being in the audience during my run and just being able to reciprocate that and sitting with your family and cheering you on I mean that was really exciting to see you and you know uh, I remember just your social media blowing up like before your final round 
And that's when I knew I was like, man, he's got a chance to win this whole thing. <laughs> like, when neither of us had any clue that that was going to be the end result, and uh, it was just so exciting to see uh, just how far you came on that show and the, you know where you are now. So, well, yeah, uh, no, I can I can totally relate because I was more <laughs> nervous than Eric was. I can honestly say that, and I believe that. Like when I was in the audience. Uh, sitting watching him doing his thing in the live shows that are broadcast yeah. live. Let's not forget that. It's a, yeah. it's a football game. I mean, it's live. Um, whatever happens, happens. And then almost instantly it appears on the internet forever. Yeah. 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 So you want to do well by your magic. You want to do well by, you know, make magic look good and protect the integrity of it. That's one thing to worry about. And then there's a, a million, probably a million other things to worry about. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, I remember sitting in the audience and watching Eric do his thing. And I was bouncing in my seat like I was a seven-year-old at my first magic show. Like I was so nervous and th just so thrilled for him. So I can totally relate to, uh, you know, maybe it was the same thing, you know, because when you're up there, you kind of have to psych yourself out and just kind of get in the zone. Remember what you're doing. And when you're in the audience, it's just there's so much anticipation. Oh, it's tough both ways. And the song, the theme song still makes me nauseous. So. <laughs> I, I just remember... You had mentioned that you got nervous when watching me perform, and then you said that was more nervous than you did you were for the, your entire run while you were, were actually performing on stage. And I was like, that just shows how cool, calm, collected you were during that whole run, and how uh, confident you were in your material and knowing it. So I think that was, uh, you know, a testament to you from you know performing since you were little, doing the college shows, and then just applying everything you had learned up until that point until uh, you know you had your break. So uh, that's that's so fun. <laughs> Preparation is key. And you know what? I look back a lot now and think, wow, mm -hmm. if because I, I feel that, you know, I, I've learned a lot in the last, say, five years since then. And, um, you know, I look back and look at myself as at, you know, age 25 or whatever and think, wow, I was naive, you know, and if I knew now, if <laughs> I knew all the age of 31, I know. But, it, but, if, <laughs> but if I knew then what I know now. I wouldn't have had the guts to go on. So yeah. I'm glad I was a little bit naive, but like looking back, I, I was like, if I, if I had the same knowledge now, I think, wow, I'm not ready yet. You know, but I, but again, even that would have been wrong technically. Cause I guess I was, but wow. Yeah. Oh man. The more preparation, the better. I'll tell you that. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Any, uh, any last stories to share before uh, we say out? Um, no, just, I mean, it was incredible too. just, uh, I know, um, one of your major mentors, uh, who helped get your Vegas show off the ground, you know, is no longer with us, but it was incredible for, uh, for you having Johnny Thompson there to help consult. And, uh, you know, I'll never thank you enough for bringing me in for that early, those early process and getting to work with Johnny and you on your show and take what you had as just like this college show. And we're like, how is this going to fit on a Vegas show stage where there's big illusions Time. And then like going away for a couple of months and coming back and seeing your show again and what it evolved into and making it this big Vegas production was just really cool and awesome to see. And uh, you've definitely made your mark on that Vegas land landscape. So super proud of you, buddy, and everything you've accomplished. So No, thank you. Proud of you, too. And, and I can never thank you enough for, for being willing to be part of that process, you know. So and uh, speaking of. We haven't we haven't done that in a while. I've got some stuff I'm working on. I'll send you some private links. See what All you right. <laughs> I'll take ten percent. Give it up.
I oh, can't yeah. test this thing. I can work on all this new stuff, but I can't test it anywhere. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, by the way, you, we uh, Eric alluded to it. He was talking about your family being in the audience. I know your family is very important to you. There's yeah. a story you tell on stage, and I want to verify if it's true or not. Of uh, your grandmother and you doing a card trick together, and there yeah. being a big. Uh, you not knowing how to do card manipulation, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so you had a big curtain, and she was pushing cards through a a slit in the fabric. That is, yeah, that's true. So yeah, we uh, we saw Jeff McBride on TV back in '95, World's Greatest Magic Two. Yeah, oh, there you go. That was a few <laughs> years later. So yeah, it was several years before that, before he and I had uh, ever met. Um, and we saw him doing his card productions, and she told me how it was done. She said, "There's a black curtain behind him. There's an assistant that hands it through the slit in the curtain," uh, and I believed it kind of i was like maybe she's right she's older than me she's got some knowledge so we hung up a curtain and we did it she hid behind the curtain and you know handed the cards to me through the slit performed it for my grandpa and uh you know he pretended he didn't know why grandma was all of a sudden missing from the house <laughs> and i my I, I i attribute a lot to my grandmother as well and that's such a special relationship do you think that like that still kind of defines your interest in magic. Uh, defines it. Uh, well, I guess there's sort of like that. She, I, I know from reading a bunch of articles and stuff in your bio about how she was just a tremendous influence on, and encouragement in doing magic. Yeah, you know what it was it was just her willingness to to support no matter what it was that I was doing. So you know, I'd get halfway through the trick and make a small mistake, and I'd, I'd literally just say, "I'm going to start all over again," and like I would do that all day. And, and she would sit there and happily watch, which was incredible. You know, it was never like losing her patience or it was always like, okay, let's start again. So like, it, I wonder like, yeah, obviously what we do requires a, a certain amount of, of discipline. Um, and you kind of wonder where that comes from. But it, if, if someone can be willing there to sit there and watch you try, you know that you need to be able to have the ability to sit there and try yourself, so. Well, you know what? Let's 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 verify that story. I have a very special guest coming all the way from Rhode Island. Uh, you know her, you love her. It's Eleanor, your oh, grandmother. I that. <laughs> hey, Graham. Hi, Eleanor. Hi, Matt. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> I have some tricks with my sleeve. Now, now I have another prediction. No, I don't have another prediction. <laughs> Hi, Eleanor. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us what it was like seeing young Matt do magic? Yeah. You know, he's saying that I was so patient. It's the other way around. Grandmothers <laughs> love to be with their grandchildren. And for him to spend that much time with me was my joy. So, I mean, it was, it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. And to see him doing it so well. It's like, that was, again, another wonderful thing. Oh, I, have, I have these great pictures. Do you remember Matt when he when he was this young? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's, laughs> Did you ever help with any of these outfits? What? Do you ever help with any of these outfits? Did I did I help him with the outfit? Yeah, the, uh, the suits and the hat. Was there any grandma I contribution? Did the, I did the lapels. I sold every lapels for him. <clears throat> She made my uh, my cups and balls. Um, well, I don't even know what it's called because I never bought one because my grandma made it. It is the, uh, the the little apron thing. Yeah, I got a buskin. Buskin. It, 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 a buskin. A buskin. 
Uh, it's something a busker would use. Um, but yeah, I mean, I call it an apron because I, I play like a, a bartender when I do the routine. But yeah, this is this is one we had uh, mocked up from the original she made, but I still have the original, but we had this one made to um, to the exact same specifications, believe it or not, to the one she sewed. And, uh, you know, so that I could save the uh, old one for posterity and all that, uh, we made a duplicate. And this is the one we use in the actual show. But yeah, and I believe you even gave me as a gift the lapels framed recently. Yeah, I framed them for you. I have them right over there. Right. Oh, that's such a beautiful thing. <laughs> and and Albert, I heard when uh, Matt was too young to read, you helped him out in a special way. Oh, yeah, I had to read the instructions to him and we wouldn't know what to do. But as soon as he learned to read, he would not show me the instructions. That was a secret now. I, I couldn't know how he did the trick anymore. Yeah. You told me earlier also that uh, he needed uh, bedtime stories to go to sleep. Oh, the bedtime stories. There yeah. we go. <laughs> well, I, I told him the one you don't like me to tell, the one that, uh, I was so tired one night and you insisted on a story and it was real late. And I kept saying, I don't have anything, Matt. I don't have anything. There's nothing here. I can't tell you a story. Oh, grandma, please, please, grandma, I can't sleep. So I told, I started a story and it was getting real interesting. And I never knew how it ended and I was a little disappointed. Because <laughs> I fell asleep. That's right. That's right. I'll never live that one down. She's like, I couldn't wait to find out what was going to happen. I still wonder how it would have ended. <laughs> you could have finished it on your own. No. <laughs> you do stuff for other people, not for yourself. But the thing about the curtain, he was quite young when we did that, you know, because it wasn't a tall curtain. I was kneeling down on the floor. So he was a little kid when we were doing that. And Jeff McBride wasn't in the middle of the stage. He seemed like he was close to the back curtain. And that's why I thought <laughs> that was a curtain. We had no idea. I mean, he didn't know that. He didn't have a magic book yet, right, Matt? No, no. I, yeah. I'd never been to a magic shop at that time. No. That was prior to, to visiting a, a magic shop for the first time. So I was mm -hmm. I was working with watching and trying to figure it out by putting it in slow motion. That was my way of learning it. I didn't have a yeah. the internet wasn't a thing. So it wasn't no. like you could easily research how to find books or how to find all those things. So it was especially not at that age, obviously. But um yeah, it was a whole different whole different ballgame. Yeah. But luckily, I had grandma to show me how to do card manipulation, so it was fine. Yeah, very few grandmothers actually know how to do that, so that's pretty great. That's the way I do it in the show, by the way. We've got the curtain. She comes in each night discreetly, and she hands them off. Yeah. That's amazing. I also heard she was very supportive of your athletic career as well. Oh, yeah. Matt, when you yeah. wrestled, yeah. I told him how... Um, Corey and Ryan took that wrestling seriously. I mean, yeah. they were really, really into it. And you were so small. And you, <laughs> all you did when you, they had to take him to the wrestling matches because, you know, he'd be home alone if they didn't. So all you did was magic tricks. So you see a crowd of kids around and that was Maddie doing magic tricks at the wrestling matches. <laughs> and then he goes and wrestles. He just runs out there. He wrestles. He pins the kid. He wins. He wants back and he gets his cards and he so I don't know. 
like a little cartoon, you know? <laughs> he didn't care about that wrestling. That is true. That is true. No, yeah, that is true. I mean, both of my brothers were better wrestlers than I was, but I was okay because just simply because I'd started it when I was so young. So, I was, you know, started when I was six years old wrestling. So by the time I was, you know, middle school, I was I was pretty okay. You know, uh, I was never naturally good at it, but I had experience. But um, I do remember going to their matches and, and getting in trouble for, um, you know, there would be more people in the lobby watching this uh, kid <laughs> 10 years old, 12 years old doing magic tricks in the lobby by the snack bar then we're in yeah. watching the matches and you know the athletic director wasn't too happy about it with me all the time but um i learned honestly jokes aside i did learn how to uh that isn't a joke that that's true but i learned how to 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 get good in a way um to a certain level anyway at a young age from from that hard knocks of performing for my brother's high school friends because they're not just gonna politely say, yeah, that was good. They're gonna call you out and say, well, you put your left hand in your pocket, I saw you, right? So, so I learned very quickly, like, oh, this stuff needs to be buttoned up. You know, it needs to be deceptive first and foremost. That's, that's just step one. And if you can't get that, you can't even think about being entertaining, right? Or, or anything else or, or projecting whatever point of view it is you wanna have and all that. Step one, if you're gonna call yourself a magician, you gotta, you gotta be able to not get caught, so to say. So honestly, uh, performing for the older kids when I was say 10 and they were 16 or even uh, 20, uh, cause there were 10 years between myself and my oldest brother, um, you know, that, that, that was very, very helpful to, to instrumental in, in learning how to do sleight of hand. I remember I went to like a school that had, there was some like gang fighting and it could get a little bit rough. And my mom picked us up, picked, went to pick me up and I was surrounded by students. And she thought I was I was getting beaten up, so she jumped out of the car, and then she realized I was doing card tricks. <laughs> I thought it was having a fun time. <laughs> but you were like, you gave me a heart attack. And I was so like, there was a big crowd around you? That's exactly. awesome. She just assumed she's like, oh, my kid is getting destroyed. So that was her biggest, that was that was her first thought. He's definitely having the, uh, the S kicked out of him. That's yeah, awesome. Then, then when Auntie Camelo came and you were doing a magic trick, you said, uh, you want to see a trick? And she said, you know, she humored him. She figured this is nothing. This is a little kid. And she humored him. And when he did the trick, she was flabbergasted. How did you do that? She didn't expect that from a little kid. But she was just going along with him to say, you know, let him do the trick. That's all right. <laughs> and and Eleanor, you're, you were telling me that, that, that you're Matt Franco's grandmother. So there are certain magicians that recognize that. Do they inundate you with, uh, with their own magic tricks? No. <laughs> oh, young magicians. You mean little yeah. kids? Yes. Yeah. yeah. One of them likes to come here because I'm his grandmother. He thinks he's a little closer to Matt through me, you know? So he, <laughs> and he wants me to see his tricks. Little Logan. Yeah. He wants me to see his tricks all the time. That's great. Do you give him, a, do you give him advice like you did me? Uh, no. Well, why not? <laughs> it's like, he wants you to have a competitive edge, Matt. He's showing his trick and he's so proud of it. And it's not nearly, well, he's just a kid. He's not serious. Oh, I see. And he's, it's like, I'm just saying that was great, you know? And besides, it's on his telephone. So Brett, I can't, on his smartphone. Brett wants to see wrestling pics. That's have you ever seen what a wrestling uniform looks like, Brad? Oh, oh, I did. That's the one. I did a lot of research on you, and that was my biggest regret was not being able to find those photos. 
Oh, they exist. They exist. It's called a singlet they make you wear. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Has anyone ever questioned why that's what everyone's just putting on, acting like it's normal, walking around a gymnasium? Have you been to a wrestling match, Harrison, ever? Oh, and they give you the weird ear things, like you're trying to listen to music at the same time? Yeah, yeah. So your option is like, I'm either going to wear this on my ears or my ears permanently look like cauliflower for the rest of my life. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Such a strange sport. And uh, how's that going to survive in social distancing? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, social distance wrestling probably looks terrible. You're just staring at them evilly and hoping they <laughs> No one's talking about the tragedy that we're going to lose wrestling throughout all this. The bigger tragedy is that curling will be still fine. It's all the sports that we don't like are going to and will survive. All the sports nobody cares about are going to do great. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Eleanor, uh, like when obviously choosing a path in the arts is hard. And a lot of times, like I remember when my grandmother was always very scared of me pursuing an arts career because she wanted me to do well. And you know, those are, it's sometimes it's hard to make money as an artist. Was there ever a doubt with Matt? Were you ever worried or was it always, Matt's going to be a super no, successful no matter what he no, does? No, he was so good. I knew he was going to end up as like Houdini or the big ones. I knew he was going there. And the night that we went to see him win, that's why we went. To see him win. We Did you tell Matt that, that or does that something you held to yourself? What? Did Matt know that's why you were coming, or is that something you held I don't on to? I never said it in front of him. I mean, after that, they swept him away, you know. But Never to be seen yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we knew. We just, it was a given. It, that's how we felt. Well, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of art in our family, you know. Grandma herself is very artistic, and yeah. you, you know, Uncle Mark is obviously her son makes guitars for a living. Um, you know, is that guitar next to you one one of an example of that? It's not an example of one that he made. Um, I'm not like good enough to receive one that he makes because those are like super high end and like really nice. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's what he does, and, and you know they look as beautiful as they sound. And we we do have a, I guess, a talented family, huh? We have cousin David who makes clothing and stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, and now he's making masks, of course. So a yeah. lot of a lot of good, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good hearts. Eleanor, was that was that something you directed as the matriarch of the family? Was it always an emphasis on art, artistic, you know, artistic expression and creativity? About, did you ask about me or my mom? Yeah, yeah, because if you, you have such an artistic family, it's got to come from, from you. My mother's um, aunts were milliners. They made beautiful hats. My mother used to tell us they would sit down with a piece of cloth, and before you know it, they had a gorgeous hat. My mother made beautiful dolls and hats and everything. My mother was very, very talented. And I wanted to say something about Matt. Even when he made, did his first little show at uh, the high school people were saying this kid's going to vegas <laughs> i mean jokingly people, yeah people know they just know that you're good <laughs> i uh, i have video footage from that uh high school well i wasn't in high school but i was performing on stage at the high school and i was floating a zombie ball and it went <laughs> to the ground and cracked in half and i have it all on video <laughs> I didn't send you that. I didn't send you that footage, Paris. No, that I, that I would keep and treasure forever. <laughs> it's good, though. You know, it's uh, uh, those mistakes are, are what you learn from, right? And and somehow instinctively at that, you know, 11 or 10 years old, I knew just to pick it up, put it back together, and keep going. You know, I didn't – I actually saw footage 
it's like just being a little kid performing. And I was performing for the third grade class and I, I tripped over a wire and I just laughed and kept going. I, I Watching it was interesting because I didn't get nervous. Now you can look at it, something that old, you can look at it as if it's not even yourself. You can remove yourself from it because it really is almost a different person. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I, I tripped over a wire while I was doing this thing and I laughed and kept going. And that's, that's how you should handle it in a way, you know? And I was like, wow, that's really neat that I didn't, it wasn't overcome with nerves through that. But I think it's because I started at a young age, I didn't know I was supposed to be nervous, right? As we get older, we become more self-conscious. Right. Of, of, and you have more to lose. When you're a kid, there's nothing to lose. It's just, you're trying to perform for the, for the sake of performing. Yeah, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was drawn to it. It's like a, a strange addiction, I guess. I don't know. Also, when people are on stage and they're very, very concerned about how they look and is this right and am I getting the right light, you weren't doing that. You were into magic, what you were doing. If you were worried about those other things, you would have worried about that when you made a mistake. And you would have worried about, you wouldn't have done the other things well anyway. Grandma used to watch all the specials with me. She So she would videotape them. She'd scour the TV guide every week to see if there was anything with the word magic in it. And, you know, put in the VHS tape, set it to record. And then a lot of those we'd watch together. You know, yeah. oh, that's yeah. why she knows Jeff McBride and Jason oh, Byrne and, and uh, you know, Bill Malone, you know, and Lance Burton. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can I remember a photo of you in your uh, in your boy band phase when you were with uh, one David Copperfield. Ah, you found a frosted tips picture. I shouldn't have even said that because you can barely tell there. But I got <laughs> the frosted tips. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, can, they can assume based on the puka shells that the tips are frosted. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, that's 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 another photo I can look at and tell you what year it is because that was another little perform. That must have been another favorite outfit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was uh, when he came to Rhode Island Providence Performing Arts Center. Went to both shows, of course. You know, he did a matinee and a show. I had to go to both. And yeah, he was the. That was the first uh, when when I was about seven. Uh, years before that, I saw him in Massachusetts, and that was one of the first, uh, you know, big, big magic shows I'd ever seen in person. I remember bouncing in my chair when just the smoke machine, you know, the fog machine came on. I was so excited, and he did the fan, and it snowed, and uh, yeah, it was really cool. Really, really uh, uh, an amazing, memorable thing. And Grandma, how excited were you when Matt finally got married? Because it took a very long time. How, how, what's that? Oh, how excited were you when Matt finally <laughs> got married? I was very, very excited that I couldn't get to Vegas for the wedding. Well, that's good because it was in California, but. <laughs> uh, right, right. <laughs> Are you excited about uh, uh, grandchildren? I'm planning on them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm planning. I don't know what they're doing. Well, you have one, but not from me. <laughs> I, oh, no. oh, great grandchildren. You have I'm one. On yours now. Oh, okay. All right. Good to know. I'll let Tiana know yeah. you're putting on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's quarantine. You got what else do you have to do? <laughs> it is quarantine. What, me? <laughs> who, who, Maddie? Maddie, no, yeah. You should, no, you. Yeah. should make you a great grandmother again. Yeah. <laughs> you better hurry up, Matt. I'm almost a hundred. <laughs> when she became a, a great grandmother, she was going around saying, I don't know why everybody's asking me what it means to be a great grandmother. I already was great. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Eleanor, thank you so much for joining. I, I'm not supposed to choose who my favorite surprise guests have been because I've had some crazy ones. Lance Burden, uh, we've had uh, 
David Williamson, incredible, incredible surprise guest. But you might take the cake as my favorite surprise guest of this entire series. So thank you so much, Eleanor, for joining us. Bye, I love you. Number two, she's amazing. How did you? She is amazing. How did you even do that? That's outrageous. I mean, to get her to be able to appear on FaceTime with no technical glitches. Uh, <laughs> I mean, believe me, I've tried. It's uh, that's amazing that you. I don't know how you orchestrated all of that. How did you do that? Uh, I I was very lucky because I'm friends with a bunch of people on your team. So uh, a shout out to Matthew Green, who then gave me the number of your brother who then hooked me up with your grandmother, who is one of the kindest, sweetest ladies. And I walked her through step-by-step step, getting on her iPad and getting- Wait a minute, she did that on her own? You didn't even have, I, I thought someone was there helping. No, she did it all on her own. Oh my God. Eleanor, that was all you, wasn't it? That was all me. Oh I'm my God. I am not good at that. All right, so now listen. You got no excuses on Mother's Day. We're doing a whole little family Zoom okay. thing. You gotta be there. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll, I'll send you the link. You got it. I'm gonna make it up. I'll send it up for you, Eleanor. <laughs> Harrison, you gotta set it up. He'll, Harrison will get reach out to you. It'll be no problem. Okay. The honor to be part of your Mother's Day. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Eleanor. Who's next? My fourth grade teacher. What's going on here? <laughs> this is your life. It's turning into a game show. <laughs> well, you know what though? Your team has a bunch of people on it that I, I've known since I was a kid. Um, awesome people, awesome people. Yeah. I'll tell you, unbelievable, yeah. Like who's your magic uh, technician? Uh, Vinny, Vinny, right? Is that who you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I met yeah, him at Magic Camp. He was the youngest, I think he's the youngest person to ever attend Tannis Magic Camp. I think he started when he was 10. Yep. I met him as a camper, he was a counselor. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I love him to death, but how did, how did he end up uh, on your team? You know, I met Vinny through through uh, Tom, through his partner Tom, who who builds. I mean, talk about talented. Who who builds um, a lot of uh, the materials and, and things we use in the in the Vegas show, and and uh, that's how I met Vinny at Tom's shop. And then I found out, you know, what Vinny's skill set is and his knowledge base. And uh, so I said, you know, why don't you come come backstage on a nightly basis, you know, and and be there to do our magic tech stuff and. Uh, Vinny has, uh, he's never missed a show since then. <laughs> you he know, weapons. I mean, he's one of those guys that if you have him on your show, like, it, it, it's got to help a thousand percent. Uh, yeah, he just, he knows magic. He gets magic. He knows uh, the magic climate and knows just, and he's, he's worked on a lot of uh, shows and worked with a lot of amazing people uh, over the years. So, um, you know, and he just understands not just magic, but let, let's just talk about show business, right? Yeah. And that's what I mean by, you know, if we've done 1500 and something shows, He's there, everyone, you know, it's, it's, there's just a certain reliability there. Um, and he's, uh, you yeah, know, he's uh, uh, amazing. You know, the recommendation letter that you got about him was written by Johnny Thompson. Say that again. I heard Johnny Thompson wrote his recommendation letter. Yeah. So look, when your recommendation comes from uh, Johnny Thompson, you're starting from a good point right there. Exactly. You know, you're starting from a great point right there. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm so just so thankful for, for the whole team. Um, I wish I could just like spout off everybody's name. Um, but I don't want to think at least one of them in person. Cause we got Vinny Giordano here as well. Oh no. You're muted. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. How's it going? What's up, Ben? And you know, he's a good yeah. team member cause he's plugging your show. That's uh, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> he's got the <laughs> are you wearing the Matt Franco underwear as well? 
No, but the shirt. Oh, yes. <laughs> With the unique feature. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh, Matt Franco. No, oh. <laughs> MFN. MFN Magic. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. These were uh, crew shirts that Matt had made up before the whole AGT explosion. He was supposed to take them out on a tour, and then the tour happened, and he had boxes of shirts, and he gave them to the crew. Yeah, yeah, they, they became crew shirts. They were promotional items that I would give out uh, to, to colleges that would book me to come to their campus. You know, I'd give their programming board shirts. Um, so, yeah, and then I, I got the shirts, and now now our, our crew still has them, which is great. That was until we got the hoodies. Now, now we've really stepped it up. Vinny <laughs> yeah. was so upset we didn't have hats. He made himself a hat. Yeah, I like I Matthew, Matthew, by the way, wrote, Vinny is on. Everyone should be warned that there are no censors or delay. <laughs> well, actually, you're on with Road Vinny right now. So, <laughs> Road is Vinny, please and thank you, and sir and ma'am. Road Vinny is a thing. Road Vinny is very different than Vegas Vinny. When Vinny's on the road, he's a whole nother man because he's he's come on the road when we've done you know touring shows, private, whatever it is, anything that's outside of you know our theater at the Link. Uh, Vinny, Vinny's running the show and he's greeting the people and talking to the stagehands and just, uh, you know, schmoozing it up with everybody as opposed to his normal kind of uh, backstage. I was going to say soft-spoken backstage, but that is not the right word. Um, <laughs> it's a very different Vinny. <laughs> I remember as a, as a camper, there was, there was like counselor Vinny. And then I went to my first staff meeting as staff and I got to see Vegas Vinny. And I was like, oh, I get this. I get this human being now. And I, I love him to death. Well, that's what we love about Vinny, right? So backstage, put put aside the magic knowledge, the magic experience, the showbiz experience. I mean, you know, unfiltered, tells it like it is, uh, no matter what the topic. So, and that helps when you're in your creative process or just uh, mundane tasks throughout the day, right? So that's that's what we know and love about good old Vin Dog. Yep. Vinny, if you had to give a young Matt Franco advice, what would you say about his earring? <laughs> Well, <laughs> it's in the left ear, so he's okay. <laughs> At least that's growing up. Remember, I'm a child of the 80s, so there was a thing back then, you know. <laughs> you hear for pictures. It's, it's, uh, it's like peak 90s, I feel. Now, uh, now, if he had the shells and the frosted tips, I'd be worried with the earring. Yeah. <laughs> it is, uh, well, I think back then I had a hoop. I had the hoop earring back with the, with the puka shells. I looked like a pirate, but um, <laughs> maybe that's a compliment compared to what I actually looked like. But uh, yeah, that photo, you said it looks very 90s. Sadly, I'm sure it was taken in 2006. That was for like a little pamphlet that was given out for like a, a UR, University of Rhode Island promotional material because I was a business student uh, prior to AGT, but uh, a business student had put my, you know, put together my own business in entertainment. Um, and I, I was actually booking other acts. I was booking Diddleman, his shows and, and booking a uh, comedian and stuff like that. So I put together this small talent agency. So that photo, they said, we need to take a picture of you with some money and some cards. And we're going to put together this success story. And looking back, it's like, couldn't we have at least gotten some hundreds? I was about I mean, to say, you can tell that it's getting in your career because you're like, 
All I've got is I got three 20s, and I think there's probably a five hidden behind that. Jeez. <laughs> that was probably my Hyundai 500, you know, and I didn't have the hundreds because, you know. <laughs> that was always the most expensive truck. I always kept waiting what to, like, if it ever phased out of my act, I was like, I think I have another $400 to spend. There you go. That's helpful. Vinny, do you have any fun stories from uh, working backstage? Well, it's that we can very good. The show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun working backstage. Um, I think uh, the fav my favorite thing is the daily banter that happens just to be the same. And one of my favorite magicians and people on the planet is Jeff McBride. So I know Jeff for, well, since I was a kid at Magic Camp because he would come and give up his time. Then, uh, believe it or not, I went to mystery school. I attended it in New York with Carbonero, Michael Carbonero was an alumnus that year as well. So I know Jeff pretty much forever. Was very cool when I moved to town 20 years ago, me and now my now husband, Tom. Um, you know, just he's, you come to Vegas and Jeff opens up his door. So, um, but my nickname for Jeff is the shaman because he is the shaman. So every night, there you go. <laughs> Probably one of his fans too. So every night before car manipulation, um, I said, okay, it's time for the shaman because that was Matt's inspiration. And, uh, and finally, uh, when I was at Jeff's with Terry Cook a couple of months back, uh, I told him the story and he got a kick out of it. But at our show every night, the handprints in the show are, uh, for certain, uh, Bill Malone, Johnny Thompson, um, and Jeff McBride. And Lance. Have hand and Lance. And Lance. Lance. Without those people, I don't exist. It's very true. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're all there. And even Eleanor, you know, that's a, a major, you know, handprint in the whole experience. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, just every night doing that. Uh, and it's pretty, you know, regular. Uh, and, you know, because Jeff is part of the family. He's been in that audience. And, uh, which you know, they all have, which is amazing, you know. And he's kind of now another link uh, next to Johnny to the Magic's past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's one of the people now that people are starting to run things by like they did Johnny because – but there is no replacement for Johnny. Right. Um, he he saw the stuff, you know, that people talk about. He's he was the last link to Magic's past and the present, and he was dealing with the future of Magic. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Matt, you definitely represent the future. I mean, you're 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 probably you and Shin are probably the two youngest headliners right now in terms of magicians on the strip. Do you feel uh, like that's got to be an asset in, in several ways in terms of how your show, who your show is advertised to? You're one of the first people to jump on live streaming. Do you, do you use that as, as one of the things to differentiate yourself? My youthfulness? Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, being at the link, it's a very, it's a young property, right? It's, a, it's the hip place to be. I mean, uh, we took a flyer on link. We had, you know, options of where to open and uh, link wasn't quite link yet. It was evolving from a previous... Uh, name and uh they said you know we can make you the face of the property here and 
not knowing if it was going to succeed or not in terms of even just as a property, it was new branding in other words, but it just seemed like the right fit and the right time. So we said, okay, let's, let's give this a shot and, and see where it goes, you know? And, um, like I said, Link's a young property, which is hip and cool, but I love that, uh, you know, it's a family show. So we get literally, and this is cool. And maybe, maybe my age does help with a little bit of, a little bit of this, obviously from, you know, the full age gamut to people, my grandma, grandma's age to uh families with kids and we get a lot of bachelor parties bachelorette <laughs> parties and and i think you know that stems from you know my ability to kind of work in the the college thing right it's not the same thing but it, it's it's your peers right which is not always the easiest group to perform for so magic kind of has a, a broad uh, appeal in general so part of it is playing into that because it, it, it's inherent in magic as is and the other part of it is, um, you know, being able to kind of uh, reach reach all those people, which which is challenging. Obviously, it has its challenges when it's not niche, but it also has its advantages too. Well, I have to scope out the audience in advance. Have you ever scoped it and, and given Matt a report? He does it every yeah. night. Every night. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I know Matt's also watching from certain areas. And I know what area, and I'll look up and smile or something. But <laughs> uh, very early on in touring and whatever, and this, and this is how it happened. I would have guests in the audience, you know, coming to see uh, Masters of Illusion in some town in the Midwest. And I go into the audience, and I found that I can get a, an interesting vibe, maybe know where the troublemakers were, et cetera, et cetera. So over my career, I carried that into what I do. And I'm kind of the guy, I say, if you've seen the movie Casino, I, I want to make sure that there's an even amount of blueberries in every muffin. So I watch <laughs> I watch the areas where people are drunk. There are certain things we know that are going to happen certain places in the audience. And there could be someone that maybe doesn't speak English. There's a service dog, um, which he'll be let known about. He should be let known about it by the house people anyway, but I'm kind of ahead of that. Hey, there's a service dog here. Uh, watch this. Um, drunk people here and this, that, and the other thing. Because he needs to know, you know, where there may be distractions and it could uh, potentially affect uh, the magic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because there is no one demographic in that room. Like he said, part of the room could be purchased out for a bachelor party and we've had uh one night we had a company that uh i think was like a multi-level marketing company or something who actually asked us to change material because they weren't comfortable with certain bits of the humor now i have to say that i consider the humor very disney and looney tunes there's a level of humor for adults that they jokes they understand yeah. And the kids understand it as a different silliness. Right. Yeah, there's always so, jokes in Disney movies where, like, it's clearly for the adults. And those are okay because it goes over the kid's head. Right. Yeah, it definitely adds to that broad appeal. Like, I noticed that in Matt's show. It was great. Trish. Yeah, so it, the beauty is, is he can work a whole room. But I go out there not to give him a magic advantage. We do not go... No one, literally, no one is in on the show, I swear. And zero no, three show, for what it's worth. There is no pre-show in this show. 
The only pre-show is. I do love when performers have pre-show outfits. Have you ever witnessed any of those? Well, I, I, there's been a couple of performers uh, that we we all know where they they have like a different outfit that they want to wear, so they, they don't they don't think people know that they're the ones. Oh, they change. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Look. There was a performer that was forever in town, and if you were in his guest seat, it was microphoned. So, wow. you know, yeah, and he's no longer in town. He might be in Branson now, but he wanted to hear what people were saying about him. I mean, that's... I was curious what you were going to say. You were going to say the only pre-show is, is what? The only pre-show is me telling him where there's potential... Yeah bumps in the road yeah and that's something you've done you know that's something you, you've taken upon yourself to be helpful with yeah you know? that's amazing that's it they're very you know or i mean i'll tell them look they're a little bit quiet tonight you yeah. know um or so he, out, may you know? To, he may have to kick it up but sometimes they're just quiet and as soon as he pops out of movies to life and appears they go crazy so sometimes you can't uh, uh gauge it but uh, I just try to give him as much what I will call non-magical information yeah. uh, as I can because every show is different. And every show, especially for us, is different because we, we tell a story at the end. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's interesting to get that knowledge ahead of time. You know, I might, I might be thinking about three different things. And as I'm walking by Vinny, he goes service dog in the aisle and I, and I half hear it and it bounces around in the back of my brain, but it, it, it just gives you that advantage talking about being prepared when you, when you come across it as you're crossing the aisle and it's more narrow than you were expecting because of this or that. I'll go, oh yeah, yeah. That's that, that's that Vinny was talking about, you know, and it, and it, it sits there almost subconsciously, but it, it's helpful. And it, it, it just, you know, I like to think that I can handle whatever's thrown at me when I'm up there, right? right? And there's a certain element of that that that's true, but also part of why you can do that is because of the preparedness. And I think just kind of knowing what's going on, I guess, you know, adds an element of, of helpfulness. That's why it's easier to, to walk out on that stage uh, that I've walked out onto 1,500 times than, than walking into a, a theater that we, we haven't played before or only played once. You know, there's a difference. And I like the excitement of both, but there's a difference. Yeah, I remember I was a green comic. I was at Caroline's and a comic who had a lot more experience than I did walked in and was like, they're going to be trouble. Like within two seconds, he's like, they're trouble. And I was like, how do you know that? And as soon as that show started, they immediately started heckling. And I remember that being almost a magic trick. Uh, how did this person know? And fast forward years and years of going on stage, and I did that to a young comic, not not recently enough because we've been quarantined. But before I was like, oh yeah, that's gonna be trouble over there. And he's like, how? And I'm like, it's like the circle of life. Of you get on stage enough, you start to get that vibes of okay, this is gonna be. There's a stormy weather uh, over this table right over sure. here. Sure. But I like those for, for me, it's all encompassing because I will circle the box office, uh, the bar upstairs. I'll look at the line. I like to see how people are interacting with each other, mm -hmm. uh, how many families there are, how much they're drinking. Sure. Um, are they having a good time even before they're getting in the room? Mm -hmm. uh, is, the per is there a person at the hotel that's compromising the guest experience? Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't care. Like I said, it's it's all the an even amount of blueberries in the muffin. Yeah, because, uh, yeah. I just want to say I appreciate so much. You know, Benny keeping an eye on all those details. You know, and these are things that he was never asked to do. These are things that he knows to do, right? And that's that's the type of thing that you can't. That that's that's just hard to find. That's tough to come by. 
And on the other side of it, Vinny, have you ever played any pranks on Matt? No, Matt is more of a prankster than me. Oh. I think we'll show I'm up in the locker. <laughs> Are there any you can share? But, no, there's just little things that happen. Like I open up my cabinet and something screams at me. Um, you know, things of that uh, kind of nature. But there... I would say you and Ted Moore are the pranksters with each other. <laughs> Possibly. Because uh, basically before I go out to do my things, before the show starts, I'm, I'm coming out of a nap. <laughs> so, yeah, he's also good at napping backstage. Yeah. That's the other thing he's really That's good at. That's a very important skill. When I was on the road, that was always that, was yeah. the thing that, that separated some people. Because if you can get a nap between shows, you were yeah. going it's great. I go in early, set my stuff up, and I try to get a nap before it just get. But if there's something that's happening, sure. everyone knows sure. where to get me. It's Vinny, you I know. If you're napping, you are, you are prime for pranks. We've actually changed it. It's like it's not the green room anymore. It's Vinny's nap space. I believe some, <laughs> Matt Green might have actually printed that out or something. Somebody uh, called the Matt Green Lord. room. Yeah, Lourdes, our one of our stage managers, printed out green room and Vinny's uh, nap room. We have a blast, honestly. At the end of the day, we have such a good time bringing magic to the people, as Vinny likes to say. It's uh, wow. We just we feel so fortunate. I think I speak for both of us, all of us. Like it's it's just such a cool thing to be able to do, and uh, you never, I, I never take it for granted, never for a second, because especially now <laughs> we're not able to do it, but. Uh, well, what a cool thing. And I'll tell you, um, my brother, who you reached out to. Ryan, yeah. Yeah, Ryan, uh, who's now here. He's like, you know, he, he's seeing it now firsthand because he's here and in the thick of it. And he's like, wow. Like, but he was obsessed with football growing up and, and, and played in school and high school and was the quarterback and was obsessed with Dan Marino growing up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he said it. It's like he said it's literally like like if 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 he had grown up to 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 be the quarterback of the Dolphins. He's like, that's what's going on right now in your life. And, and it does feel that way. And, and I never meant for it to, right? Again, I said in the beginning of this, my yeah. goal is to do magic full time. You know, I never even dreamed of, of mentioning a, a meeting of any. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, of course. Everything from, from big things to small things were, were so outside of my uh, goal, right? But I think it, it, it's a, a testament to, um, you know, Things can just result from hard work as a sp hey, hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. A special surprise hey, 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 hey. I so, so I was on the phone with Tom. Tom, I mentioned earlier, who's uh, an incredible illusion builder. An incredible illusion builder. I was on the phone with him seconds before I logged in to do this. With you, Harry. So while I was talking to you, you secretly knew what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best quality of an illusion builder is the ability to keep a secret. Well, you know, meanwhile, I'm on the phone and you know, we're talking about magic stuff that we're working on. And then yeah. Tom kind of Tom, Tom kind of dives into it a little bit. And I, I'm looking at the time, I'm thinking, oh God, I hope he, I, you know, I'm gonna have to let him know I gotta go here. This is we can't get we can't get too deep. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then uh and then somehow he knew right around, you know, right before we came on. He's like, all right, Matt, sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. I'm like, all right. And then that wasn't a coincidence. Yeah. Both of us are going, 
Uh oh. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Have you ever had someone have four guests like this? This is outrageous. Yeah, this is, this is uh, this definitely uh, ties the record for sure. So, Harrison, now you know what to do. When you have a guest that's just boring enough, you know, you can fill the time by making sure you bring in enough guests to fill it. This is great. <laughs> no, this has been amazing. This has been, uh, this has been a blast. And, Vinny and Tom, thank you guys so much for joining us. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I'll see you guys soon. I hope you guys be able to get to Vegas soon. Yes. You guys. Wow, this is crazy, huh? It's amazing. I, uh, Unbelievable. We're, we're coming into the home stretch. I want to make sure everybody who is watching live, and there's so many people, um, please put any of your questions in the comments. They're on my, they're my right side. Um, but put your comments in. We will try to ask as many of those questions as possible. Um, one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about was uh, your show. You, you're going to be there for another five years. Presumably, you'll be performing hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, we, does the show? Where do you see the show going in five years? Is it adding tricks? Is it keeping it the same but polishing it? What do you, do you have a journey in your head kind of mapped out? Um, not too specifically. Uh, the polishing is happening all the time, and I find that those small changes that we make in polishing uh, do become big changes, um, whether they're big as perceived by the audience or if they're big even just for me, right? Even if it's just this method is now 10 times better after 10 years of doing it, uh, not necessarily in Vegas, but let's say it's a, a bit that I had worked on a long time ago, and now finally we got the method correct, and this is maybe the fourth version of it. Um, those, that's an example of a big change uh, that, that the audience might not see. Um, and then there, some of those same things involve, evolve into changes that they do see. Now, when you ask about what I see in the traje trajectory of the material, um, that's really interesting because it is so interactive. And I think this is important for a lot of magicians to think about because we don't know what interactive magic looks like moving forward. That, right. that is a moving target at this point. So will I have a plan? Yes. Can I, I'm talking in the media, immediate future for right. when, when you're talking about like, it might even be hard to like have somebody come on stage and take a card and you could have stopped the that come on stage. Yeah. That might not be a thing right off the bat. We just don't know yet. So, you know, the goalpost is kind of a, a moving target at this point. So depending on where we land kind of on that stuff and when, um, you know, we'll, I'm, I'm already starting to think about that plan but it has to remain flexible until we really know. Um, but I, I'm really embracing the newfound uh, free time, right, uh, to, to work on stuff. So a lot of kind of uh, reading and researching and creating and writing and all of that stuff. And uh, the, the problem is, as I was saying, when Diddleman was on with us, uh, is not being able to test it. So I'm, I'm definitely anxious to, to start testing some of that stuff because I don't know, Did I do I really have a... a you know, a new half hour that I didn't know about or does none of it work, right? So so it's really tough to say, but yeah, it's important to kind of uh, always keep things fresh and always polish. I think it's both of those. Yeah. So, so you gotta be you gotta be constantly polishing what's there and what's good uh, and, and trying to make it better, right? And, and, but also while infusing the new stuff in and of course hammocking it, right? That's what I try to do is- right take something that's going in new, sandwich it in between stuff that you know is working to kind of prevent yourself from falling on your face as much as you can with new I stuff. Like that. I, I call that sandwiching, but that just reveals how much of a fatty I am that I can <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a hammock. That's a very nice, 
thing. You get to go outside. I'm like, it's a sandwich. Yeah, sure. Well, sandwiching too. All, all the above. Um, but I think it's both. I think you need to be uh, polishing the old stuff and uh, infusing the new stuff too, because uh, that's part of it, right? That's what keeps it fresh for, for us. And I think we as artists, right? We don't, we always have new things we want to say. You can't force it, but when it comes to, when it comes here, you go, ah, got to find a way to say that. So I was sitting around this pre-quarantine, but I was sitting with a bunch of comics, uh, some of them very like big comics. Um, but it was interesting because we all talked about that. There's almost nothing more exciting than when a new bit hits. And so you have to balance that out because that, that for us is the great joy, but the audience wants to see the polished stuff that you know is going to work and has 10 years of it. And so it's balancing that out and staying fresh, but also delivering a really polished, uh, amazing product that you know, like you know all the beats and there's something really amazing about a, a bit of material that you've worked on for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know, the truth is uh, there are certain bits in the show that like uh, the audience might miss that they want to see when they come back, not to say that they wouldn't want to see uh, new stuff too. Um, but there are certain bits that, uh, you know, are, are, it's like playing the hits, if you will. Your favorite. Uh, <laughs> that they've seen on on television or this or that, and it's like if I took out the X trick, whatever it is, I'm just using X as a variable. Yeah. Uh, if it, oh, we we really wanted to see the blank, and you know, so I try to I try to kind of include signature things and kind of weave in as we go. But you know, like Vinny said, we tell a story at the end that does make every night truly yeah. uh, different and also feel different. So it's it's so much fun to do, and uh, it gets better with each show, and that's what I love about live performance you know that I, I love that process that tedious but lovable process of, of <laughs> getting it off the ground I, I just uh we're obsessed with it right I mean that's why yeah. we do it yeah I have a question from the audience from Sir Patrick uh Patrick Thirds how do you stay grounded when being thrown into fame and after winning AGT yeah, look fame fame is a term you're using there very loosely as it pertains to me thank you for using it but um you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm still the same person, right? So like- when you go uh, to Starbucks, do they spell your name correctly? <laughs> if they do, that is real fame. Uh, well, lately, I just say Joe when they ask because it's a cup <laughs> of Joe, which which is something I got from, I took from Derek Hughes because I was at Starbucks with him once and, you know, he said, they asked for his name and he goes, Joe. And I was like, why'd you say that? He goes, it's a cup of Joe. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be saying that from now on because just so I don't have to stare at the two T's. <laughs> My college roommate, uh, his name was Ashish, uh, and he always gave his name as Toby. And he could never tell us where that came from, but he was just like, we were just at a coffee shop. He goes, Toby. And we're like, what the hell is that? Where does that come from? No, uh, that, <laughs> that's awesome. No, honestly, the being the, the you know, you, you've done uh, uh, your fair share of television. I'm sure you've been recognized in all of that, right? So that's that's something you understand. And 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 it's always very pleasant, isn't it, right? It's not like people are, are coming up and um, trying to hurt you or something. Um, people are, are enthusiastic about what you do. That's very exciting and, and a cool thing. And I don't think I would ever get used to that, right? That's something that will, has always remained um, a, a, a joyous side effect of the whole thing. But at the end of the day, um, it, it was never the goal. The goal was always just to be able to share magic and share smiles and share joy. And, and that all kind of remains the same the, uh, throughout it. But um, yeah, the, that whole experience that got us to where we are here, um, it's just beyond expectation and not something, it's really hard for me to grasp. It's really hard for me to kind of um, understand it and look at it objectively because it, it, it all happened in such a, a crazy, crazy way that was, yeah. 
unexpected. So sorry for the tangent answer, but oh, great. There you go. The final question I ask everybody is, uh, there are a lot of young magicians who are watching. Actually, somebody just said hello from New Zealand. Hello. Hi, hello from Vegas. Uh, what advice would you give to a young magician who's starting out or is already a little bit on his on his journey? Uh, how, how, what should he or she be doing? If, if you're if you're taking magic seriously and 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 really are are into it and it's something you can't help but do, um, practice as much as you can for as many different audiences as you can, which is particularly difficult right now, but hear me out, I'm talking, I'm talking long-term, in the long run, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. I believe magic is a very cumulative thing. Uh, I, I do think the more you do it, the more you know, you gotta kind of retain all of that. And the more experience you get in front of as many different audiences, the better. And that's kind of something um, that I learned from Jeff McBride. You know, don't worry about the money um, when you do, do perform whenever you can offer your services, get in front of, uh, audiences of, of children, audiences of schools, audiences of families, audiences of strictly adults, audiences of stiff business groups that are embarrassed to react to anything because they're in front of their boss, right? Um, rowdy audiences that are intoxicated, learn what you like, learn what you don't like. All of those things are your real training. You can read books, you can learn tricks, you can have great ideas. But uh, experience is truly the best teacher. Um, just getting that is gonna is gonna um, help you help you get better. That's what I think. No, that's fantastic that's advice. Uh, that's a, a fantastic picture right there to end on. There you go. Uh, and I think Eleanor is still watching. Let's see if we can give her the last word. Are you still there? I'm here. Hi. Do you I'm have any last words to say to everybody about your grandson? Well, about my grandson, I first I want to thank Vinny for watching over the audience for my grandson. I always worried about that. And then for my grandson, just keep doing what you're doing, Maddie, and the way you do it, honey, that's it. Will do. You too. Uh, that's the best. Thank you so much, uh, Eleanor. Matt, thank you so, so much for doing this. You can follow him uh, at Matt Franco Magic. Go on his Facebook page. He's streaming uh, most most Wednesdays. Is that yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be back in a couple of weeks on that. Um, but we already done episode seven episodes. Eighth one coming soon. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Hopefully, I'll see you again soon. You were awesome. Thank you so much. We'll talk with you soon, bud. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Take care, Matt. Matt Franco, everybody. Uh, what a fun episode. What a fun collection of surprise guests. A huge thanks to uh, Matthew Green for helping me and Ryan uh, Franco as well for helping me out. A big thanks to Eleanor. Uh, Matt's grandmother and Vinny Giordano, uh, somebody I, uh, I love and adore and is a member of, of, of my, uh, my second family, my Tana's Magic Camp family. Uh, and of course, a giant, giant thank you to Matt Franco for spending uh, this time with us. You can follow me on Twitter if you'd like, at Harrison Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that would be fun. You could do that. That's pretty easy. And you could join the International Brotherhood of Magicians, magician.org slash join the IBM slash join. You can download this episode and other episodes at Apple Music or podcasts, depending on how to update your operating system is. Go to whobooksat.com for more info. Uh, this show is every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time or 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. Uh, thank you so much for watching and supporting. Uh, we can't do the show without you guys. We really, really appreciate everybody who watches and participates and sends us uh, love and comments. Uh, thanks so much. My name is Harrison Greenbaum. Stay safe and stay well, and we'll see you here on Wednesday. Take care, everybody. <laughs>